But as Brother Paul just said, that's where the Lord has me right now. Well, I want to join all the other brethren that have expressed their appreciation for this invitation. I never take it for granted, but somewhere around the middle of March, I start looking for a letter in the, in, the, in the mail. I'm always glad when I get it. It is always a pleasure, a true pleasure and a true joy to come and to visit with you all. Some people anyway. There's one over there on the side over here that I'm just not sure about. He told me he's going to take me for ice cream, but he won't pay to get me here. I buy the ice cream, he pay to get me here. How does that sound to you? What's that? I, I'm trying to work it. Well, I won't take any, any more time other than to say again, I appreciate the, the invitation and the the comfort I feel, and I trust everyone that's coming down here with me has felt. And I will let my niece know that, uh, or my nieces know that they were missed. And when anybody gets to see Brother David Collier, Eldon Jocelyn, but especially David, let them know I missed them. With all that being said, open your Bibles if you would, as we concern ourselves with church authority. Kind of a difficult place to know where to begin because it is full of teaching on church authority. The scriptures are full of it. As been said already this morning, I question, I wonder how men read the scriptures and do not see the specificness that God set forth for church authority. I had a man tell me one time that he believed that churches are started and the men go out and they're authorized by the scripture. I haven't figured that out yet. I'm getting kind of ahead of myself, but church authority is a very vital truth to be understood. It's a very doctrine that needs to be understood. But a couple of things I want to set, not just one portion of scripture, but two, to set the foundation for this after this morning. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. And I'm sure the rest of you know it'll be Matthew 28. 18 through 20. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will build mine. I will build my church. I will build my assembly. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church that I build, the assembly that I establish, there have been others, there are others, 
But the Lord said, I am building, or I am going to build, I am building my assembly. That is a distinguishing quality that no other body, no other assembly can claim. Secondly, the book of Matthew, the 28th chapter, which again, I'm sure is no surprise to anyone here this morning. Chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and I am with you always, even unto the end of the world, or of this age. It seems very clear to me that the Lord Jesus Christ has a very special place a very special concern for that institution, that assembly that we know as the church. He has given that assembly authority to do whatever he purposes it to do because it is to be a working assembly. It is not to be a sit-on-the-hands assembly. It is supposed to be a working assembly. It is to be busy. It is to be, as the 12-year-old Jesus said, I must be about my father's business. The church has a business. But, you know, the Lord was not negligent in making sure that it's understood that it has a business, but it also needs to have legitimacy. It is easy for someone to stand up and say, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do that. But without some sign of authority, it is invalid. You look at a police officer when he pulls you over the next time, we pass him in the store. He wears a badge. That badge is a symbol of his authority. Without that badge, he can say anything to you. But with that badge, his authority and his power to do what he says he's going to do has validity. The Lord made sure that his church has legitimate authority. Because he prefaced it by saying, I have all authority. Me, myself, I have all authority in heaven and in earth. The two realms that we know of, heaven and earth, the Lord Jesus Christ says, I have power. I have authority. And on that basis, for that reason, 
with that justification, go ye, teach all nations, baptize, and teach. This assembly, this church, is to be his authorized witness. If you look at the book of Acts, chapter 1, you will notice the Lord Jesus Christ speaking to the first church. It says in verse 8, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. This authority, this mandate that the Lord Jesus Christ gave to his church, is to be his witness, not just locally, but worldwide. In Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and the other part, uttermost parts of the earth, Lyons, Georgia, St. Louis, Missouri, wherever human beings are, they are to be his witness. Which makes it to me very clear that he intends for there to be churches. Or some form or some way that church has an output or an outreach in all of those areas. The uttermost parts of the earth. Missions are very important. Because that is the way the scriptures indicate that people are called unto discipleship, unto salvation, by someone going therefore and preaching the word. In the book of in the book of Acts, chapter seventeen, I said Acts. It's John chapter seventeen is what I want. In John chapter 17 and verse 20, you will notice the Lord says, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Now he is praying for, at the time of John 17, there's 11 men present with him. And he says, these 11 men, I pray for, but I don't just pray for those 11, but I pray for all of those that will believe through their word. It is essential that the word of God, the gospel, that declaration that John Pruitt just declared, be heralded and made known, that others believe. This witness 
that this church is given. It will consist, according to Matthew 28, of principally three responsibilities. Preaching the gospel and making disciples. Baptizing the disciples. And then teaching those disciples. In Romans chapter thir- chapter 10, verses 13 through 14, we'll not turn there, but to summarize it. It declares, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, how are they going to hear? Except there's a preacher go and preach to them. And how the preacher going to go except he be sent? It is essential that the word of God be preached. It is essential that preachers be sent to preach. And this is exemplified and is showed to be a church responsibility. In the book of Acts chapter 13, in the city called Antioch, in that church, there were some men, and two in particular, In verses 1 and 2, Acts chapter 13. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas, Simeon, that is called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaeum, which has been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, The Holy Spirit said, separate Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. It might interest you to note that he didn't go to Paul and Silas and say, hey, uh, Saul and Silas, uh, I got something for you to do. Go do this. The Holy Ghost went to the church at Antioch and said, now you separate Paul or Saul and Barnabas for the work that I have called them to. You separate them. Freelance preachers are not. They are not authorized according to God's word. Now, I'm not saying that God doesn't use them. Because as a Methodist, it was a unauthorized preacher that preached the gospel to me. The Lord gave me faith. But he was not an authorized preacher. He was not sent. The authority of the church to send a man out and a man having that authority is vital. And it should not ever be neglected. Or said it not. You know, churches are not only given verbal witness. The witness of this church is not just to be verbal. It is also to be 
practical and visual. The other two aspects of the commission, as we understand it to be, the baptism and the teaching. There's also a second one here, a second aspect of the baptism is practical, and that's the Lord's Supper. So that too is a God-sanctioned responsibility of the church. But in baptism, baptism pictures the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Going down into the water, immersed, not sprinkled. Coming up out of the water, having gone under it, depicting the death, the burial, and the resurrection. And this was what the Lord told his church to do. We're going to come back to that. But I do want to bring in as well the Lord's Supper. Because that is also a function that only the church is truly authorized to observe. And we will, again, get into that a little bit deeper as we go on. Baptism was not new with the church. It was given to the church to practice and preserve. But the authority has always been limited. But baptism did not begin with the disciples. For there was one sent by God before then by the name of John the Baptizer. And John was sent by God according to Matthew chapter 21 verse 23 through 27. He was the one that was authorized to baptize. We will turn to Matthew 21, verse 23 to 27. Which I could be hard-headed and just ignore the clock, but I can't do that. But I pray to Brother Doug. But in Matthew 21, beginning at verse 23. And when he was come unto the, under the temple... The chief priests and the elders of the people came unto him as he was teaching and said, By what authority doest thou these things? And who gave thee this authority? Jesus answered and said unto him, I also, I also ask you one thing, which if you will tell me, I will likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John. Whence was it? From heaven or men? And they reasoned within themselves saying, if we say, if you say from heaven, he will say unto us, why did, why then did you not believe him? But if we shall say of men, we fear the people. And all for all hold John as a prophet. And they answered Jesus and said, We cannot tell. And he said unto them, Neither tell I you 
by what authority I do these things. Well, John's authority, according to John chapter 1, verse 32 through 34, came from God. It came from heaven. God sent John to baptize. John said, I was sent by God to preach the baptism of repentance and to prepare the way of the Lord, to prepare material that the Lord Jesus Christ would use to build his church. And because John's authority came from heaven, his call was to be heeded. It must be heeded. They reasoned that. They understand that themselves. If we said came from God, John commanded to repent, we should be repenting. But they weren't doing that. They said, we don't know. Baptism must be preached. The baptism unto repentance must be preached. John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remissions of sin. Those chief leaders of the people did not want to repent. But John still preached. John still declared. John declared that he and his ministry must decrease. But he also said, my ministry will decrease. But his ministry will increase. There is a bit of an overlap and a transition from one to another. John was sent by God to prepare material that Christ would build his church with. Once that body has been put together, they now begin to perform the functions that John was functioning. We find in the book of John, chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, that the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ baptized more than John did. And not long after that, John is gone. Now John's not baptizing anymore. And then not long before the Lord Jesus Christ leaves this earth, he gives his church to commission. Now you go and you baptize. You make disciples and you teach. All things whatsoever I have commanded you. And because the authority that he gave them, and authority with which he gave it to them, mandates that what they teach is to be heard, is to be heeded, is to be followed. I'm rushing here. We spoke of the Lord's Supper a few moments ago. You know, the Lord's Supper is believed by some to just be kind of a Something that we do. But just like baptism depicts and pictures the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ, the Lord's Supper declares 
it paints a picture. In the book of Luke, the 22nd chapter, verses 15 through 20, And he said unto them, With desire I have desired to eat the Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof till it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave it unto them saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Guess what, folks? There weren't but 11 men there. The very same 11 that he talked about being his witnesses. The Lord's Supper is a church authorized observance. Paul in the book of 1 Corinthians tells us how essential that is. And the picture that is painted here should not give us reason to think anything other than what it says. In 1 Corinthians 11, beginning of verse 20, When ye come together into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. Now, there's no contradiction there, but what I want you to notice is when you come together in one place, in the assembly, Coming together in one place. As they were all in one place when he gave them the instructions. But in verse 23 it says, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament, which is which is my in my blood. Do this as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. Where was this done? In the assembly. The authorization for the Lord's Supper does not lie in individuals. It lies in the authorized assembly. You know, the authority of the church extends even into heaven. In the book of Matthew, chapter 16, we didn't keep reading past 18. We read to verse 19 you will find that in part it says, whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven as well. What decisions, the actions that a church takes here have ramifications in heaven itself. 
The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is not a willy-nilly weak organization. It is a vital, authoritative, authorized, powerful assembly. And to think anything less of it is a true affront and a slap in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. The church has authority. It has great authority. And we need to practice and observe that authority. And we cannot yield that authority to anyone else. Someone made a joke a little while ago about Donald Trump. I think my tongue is long enough to qualify. But you know something, folks? It is said the President of the United States is the most powerful man in the world. Assemblies like this one and every single one of them that is represented has more authority on the basis of God's word than Donald Trump or, or Barack Obama or anyone else has ever held in their hand. They cannot trump this. The church has authority. The preaching of the pastors of those churches must have, I must be preached, with authority. When we baptize, the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ rests on that activity. But lastly, I want to say something. It's sad, but it's true. Oftentimes, churches may be negligent in performing their duties. I have been convicted. I mean, the first two messages Friday evening convicted me in the sense of my lack of zeal, and of preaching the gospel to every living creature. I've come up short, folks. I'll admit it. And, you know, sometimes the Lord allows other groups to go and do this, to preach. But I say this, others may work. Mark chapter 9, verse 38 through 40 tells us, that there were some men casting out devils and the disciples stopped them. And the Lord said, do not forbid them. To sum it up, they're not against us. Do not stop them. But he didn't tell them also, go and join them. He said, there's a us and there are them you leave them alone, but I called you to something else. We have no place to set aside the God-given authority that we have and yield it over to men and groups that he did not authorize. Because he authorized a group before he left here and said it'll always be. Anything that came along after that 
is not duly authorized. I'm not going to go out and fight the Lutherans or the Methodists. I used to be one. I'm not going to fight them. But I'm not going to join them either. The Lord called me to what is known in 2018 as the New Testament Baptist Church. That is where I am. That is where I believe the word of God and the scriptures and God's word has authorized. Where else can we go? Where else can we look to? Folks, there's authority here. Don't ever think Landmark Baptist Church is a small thing. The Lord is very well aware of it. And again, what they do speaks up in heaven. What Sovereign Grace Independent Baptist Church of St. Louis does, it speaks in heaven. We need to be very careful what we do. Because again, it speaks in heaven. But when what we do can be verified and upheld by scriptures, keep doing it. I'm going to sit down.